welcome everyone to We Universe. I don't know why it sounds spooky. Yeah. I don't know. It should be space agey or something, but no, in my head it's spooky. I don't know. Yeah, well, what's spookier than a failed console? Oh, it's a, we're playing through the ghost of a dead console. Yeah. That's right. We are We Universe. You knew us before as Ultra 64, but now we've been reborn. We've been we've been we are like a phoenix from the ashes. Yep. We are back and we are talking about the Wii U. We're going to be doing every single game on the Wii U console. My name is Did, Steve Gunley. Hello, I'm Woody Siskowski. Yeah, we, we should introduce Wii ourselves. Wii U and me and everyone we know. <laughs> um, it's, it's worth clarifying. Every game that got a North American disc release. Yes, yes. We're doing well, every... Well, we were looking through the Wii U, like eShop and there was just there's so much garbage wear on there yeah it's like oh a brick breaker it's yeah. like, no, target I, shot I, yeah do that yeah yeah we're, we're not going to be digging into those firstly the we the we wear store is like discontinued so most right. of the games that we would want to play wouldn't be on there anyway the, the shit that's on there is just shovelware we didn't have this problem when we were covering the nintendo 64 because try as you might you can't download anything to that yeah. bad boy uh, you can. I plugged in all the wires correctly, but no, nothing was happening. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, uh, it's exciting to be back. We're 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 uh, we're starting fresh with a whole new catalog. Nothing but opportunity in front of us. Do the yeah, the world is our burrito. Yeah, change, change, change. For every time there is a season. What's is that a Bible verse or is it a bird song? It's both. Ooh, first one, then the other. You guess which <laughs> yeah, one, which, which order? order yeah, yeah. Our Lord and Savior Roger McGuinn. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I'm trying to think of another bird song. Is that Graham Parsons? He, Graham Parsons is in the birds, yes, right? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, not uh, not Graham Parker. Not Graham Parker. Yes. Uh, so I think the big question that we kind of need to answer right off the top is why the Wii U? Why the Wii U? <laughs> well, here's, uh, that was here's, a question <laughs> that buyers could not figure out the answer to when exactly. the system was released. Uh, so we're, we're going to be covering a lot of ground today, but I did want to kind of start out with uh, some something of a mission statement, something of so kind what, of why why this system wound up being an appealing uh, prospect. What was our mission statement for the Nintendo 64? Like, I I feel like, be it your cereal, not not breakfast cereal, but Mm. like cereal as like a definitive podcast set out to like answer a question. Sure. And so like, what question did we set out to answer and... Was it the question? Was it the answer that we got at the end, or did we get a new, a new answer? That's the thing. Uh, well, the the I think with the I don't know about you, the, the Nintendo sixty four. I kind of walked away from that with a lot more affection, but not a whole lot, not a, not a different opinion necessarily on on the system okay. that I came in with it. Yeah. Um. I I I always kind of envisioned Ultra sixty four as kind of like challenging nostalgia more than like just basking in nostalgia like i want to see like all right let's look at these games let's see if they hold up let's not like look at these as if we were little kids enjoying them you know so but the interesting thing about the wii u is that it seems to be a system that's designed to be resistant to nostalgia (laughs) to explain like it's kind of this weird little bastard stepchild that falls between two different consoles it's not quite a wii it's not quite a switch it's sort of like the weird you know an alien resurrection when like no. Ripley finds the room of all the failed mutant versions no. of herself, you don't the know this reference. No. You don't know I've the seen reference. Two Alien movies, and they're both the good ones. Okay, all okay. right. Alien Resurrection is a bad one, but it's a really fun bad one. But there's a scene she finds all these little <laughs> mutated clone versions of herself that failed. They've got like teeth growing out of their ribs and stuff. They're all fucked up. 
That's kind of what the Wii but U like, is. It's I, this weird bastard, like, in-between stage. But, like, it wasn't... Nobody means to, like, have their thing be a weird bastard in-between stage. It only no. became a weird bastard in-between stage because it was, like, such a failure. Well, they... It, they in the same way, like, yeah. if Sega... If the 32X or the Sega CD had been a runaway success... Yeah. Like, they probably wouldn't be regarded as this weird, like, curio of a thing. But it was just because, like... Sega was like, oh, we got to move on to this next thing. Right. And it was, I don't know, that's just a recurring theme that I think it was a mistake that Sega made a bunch of times that led to their demise of like sort of add-ons and things that were not quite a new console. Yeah. But I, I mean, there's just a general... That's just a general trend in video game history, be it Nintendo or Sega, like, uh, you know, the 64 disk drive. Yeah, Or, yeah. like, the Stellaview online thing that came out for the Super Nintendo in Japan. Sure. Or even, like, the Famicom disk system, which I don't know what level of success it had, but, like, it Gave us Zelda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just, like, these are things that... Um, we're unclear to consumers of like what exactly is this? Do these play the previous games? Yeah, it, or like it's just a sense of like I don't really want to commit to this because I know that the next thing coming out will be a legitimate step up as opposed to this sort of halfway point. I I get the, so there's a question as to whether or not this is Nintendo's biggest console failure, and I guess it, the 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 only real question really depends on do you consider the Virtual Boy a console? Yeah, you, you have did. to. Okay, I, yeah, see, I, I wasn't sure of it. I mean, it is a standalone boy, like, thing, but it also like it didn't. It wasn't playing games at the caliber of even like a Game Boy. It, it was. It was about. I would say it was a little ahead of the Game Boy in terms of processing power. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. But, well, I would say the main thing is it had no internal battery. Right. So like the only way to play a Virtual Boy was having a power source. Yeah, that yeah. You plugged into, which to me basically okay makes it a console because it's not portable. Like, That's fair. It's That's portable fair. in the same way your PS2 is portable. Oh, yeah, it's less yeah. portable than your PS2. Uh, probably. <laughs> well, you can't strap the PS2 to your face. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you can. You but... just take some masking tape and just wrap it around. That's it would probably new... cost fewer headaches yeah. than the virtual That's play. my new Hall- <laughs> Halloween character's PS2 face. PS2 face. Yeah. That's a that good... was the original That's... Silent Hill rejected villain. <laughs> that one's a thinker. That one you yeah. might have to explain to some people. Uh yeah, um, but that, like that's a trend for all my Halloween costumes is people just stare at me and then I give them candy. <laughs> but I mean, either way, this this was a high profile failure for Nintendo. I think this was a higher profile. Like, yeah. I don't think I think this was probably more successful than the Virtual Boy, which was just a debacle on all fronts. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like, I don't think that that had the same level of release. That was like an aside of like, here's this other thing. Here's this other Nintendo product you can get while you're playing your Super Nintendo. Right, and Here, this was this a is console. Like, this yeah. is like our next big thing. Like, you know, put your Wiis in storage because it's time for the Wii U. Yeah, like, and like the... This, this ser- the, the system didn't really take off right from the get-go, and I think people were really quick to write it off. So even if you look at, like, game journalism of the time... Mm-hmm. Like, most Wii U games didn't really get much notice. Like, mm. if it was a port, they're like, oh, yeah, this is also on the Wii U. Who cares? Okay. Like, or or original games largely got swept under the rug. Every once in a while, a game like Bayonetta or, like, uh, Mario Kart or something would, would get a lot of media attention. But for the most part, the Wii U is a bit of a black hole. And I... that's the sort of thing that appeals to me about it. The other thing that appeals to me is that uh, we are going to be covering an entire... There's, like, a full generation two generations three between n64 and this so there's not going to be any kind of crossover yeah 
which is really nice. Um, it's also di- different than that. This is not rooted in our nostalgia at no. all. Like we were both old men yeah. by the time uh, we you actually came out. We I've I've played very few of these games. I think I've mm-hmm. played three Wii U games. Yeah. Um, and like so, I have no nostalgia for any of them. And so it'll it'll be a lot more fresh. And like these games, I do feel like there's a cutoff in terms of maybe like PS3 and newer. Yeah. Where games feel modern. You're like, yes, this is what a game is. I don't have to put myself in the mindset of 1997. Yeah. To sort of go back. Like these games, I mean, you know, at this point they're eight year, eight years old. Uh-huh. Um, but they shouldn't feel dated for the most part. No, no, not terribly. I mean, this this was a system that was set out to compete with the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Obviously, right. it isn't going to be Even at the it same processing been about four power. Four years later than those at that point. Yeah, something like, like that. Or I'm sorry, the PS, PS4, PS, PS3, and uh, sure? Xbox One. Okay. No, PS, PS4, PS4 and Xbox, and Xbox One. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, um, that's okay. It all becomes just like a muck. Somehow, I know. once you get past PS2, my brain just like puts all these consoles together. I finally saw like what uh, there's a tangent, but I saw what the box looks like for a physical release, like a game on the new Xbox console, and it just makes me angry. <laughs> yeah, it's identical as the Xbox One. It just has a little X in the corner. I'm like, this thing is designed to confuse you. When well, the Wii U did the same thing, like it it, they the look same like thing. Wii cases, except they're sort of bright blue instead of bright white yeah and then there's just kind of that fat you at the end of the uh title up at the beginning yeah i just i i feel like that i feel like that was just such a fundamental mistake for nintendo we all remember when the wii came out and everyone was just pooping on the name wii um because let's look look it's a dumb name it's still a dumb name i know there's a point where a thing becomes like ingrained in culture enough that it just sounds normal right And you're like okay we're just used to that but when you sort of take a step back or, like, get introduced to, like, maybe, like, an alien comes down and wants to learn about video games. Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, that, that word doesn't fit. Like, that... that yeah, yeah. Like, you take a step back, you're like, yes, it is still a dumb name. It was a success, but it's still a dumb name. But, and, like, I feel like Nintendo was just sort of cocky about it. Yeah. And they're like, what if it's just... We're, we're, we're doubling down. We're calling it the Wii again. Yeah. And it was just so confusing to people. I just remember at the, um, at the library, which... Um, Rent it out, you know, people could check out video games. People would come up to me and be like, this game didn't work on my console. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, what console do you have? They're like, I have a Wii. I'm like, yes, this is a Wii U game. And they're like, don't Wii U games work on the Wii? And I'm like, no, that would make sense. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's how I would have done it. Yeah. But yeah, it it, it was very dumb. I I think that's a good time to get into the history a little bit of this console. I kind of want to, we're going to. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about the history of the Wii U, and then we're going to talk about the first game released on the Wii U, which yeah, is Nintendo a Land. You get like you're getting a lot come, of content this <laughs> yeah. time around. Uh, so let's flashback. Doodly do, doodly do, doodly do. It's 2007. Uh, man, things are so much better. I don't even remember 2007. Look, look, I know that's I think, a great I'm in, thing. I think I'm in college. I think that's what's going on. Yeah, no. we're we're about to head into the Obama no. era. We're doing I, great. I'm just I'm just about to grad. I just grad. Yeah, I'm a freshman in college. That's okay, where I am. all right. Yeah, the the economic recession I, I is just voted happening. in my first election. I won't tell you for who. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. You voted for uh, for for Laura Croft. You yeah, exactly. I didn't in. know how it worked. It was a write-in. 
Uh, so it's 2007. Nintendo is coasting on some of the biggest success that they've ever had with the Nintendo Wii. Mm-hmm. They're just coming off this era they where... They silenced all the naysayers. They have, finally. Like, we were coming off the, the GameCube, which it was not a failure, but it was, like, third out of three for the console mm-hmm. race at the time. It, you know? I think it was a failure. Like, in the same way that the Nintendo 64 was a failure. I, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Like, it like, technically was. It didn't give Nintendo the market share that they wanted, But um, at the same time, they were also developing the Nintendo DS, which is the biggest console that they've ever had to this point. Uh, And so I think they've kind of realized this is what we do now. We, We are making accessible games for everybody with new and unique ways to play. Mm-hmm. So the Wii hits, it's a massive, massive bestseller. It's the top-selling Christmas item for like four years in a row. Wow. Like insane. It's a massive hit. And so almost immediately they wanted to start developing the follow-up to the Wii. So uh, the Wii U was intended, uh, the, the stated purpose of the Wii U back when it was first being developed in 2008 is when they started on it. Okay. Uh, was so they they had this huge success with the Wii, but they were kind of losing their core demographic from years before, which is hardcore gamers. You know, hardcore gamers are kind of feeling a little left out. They're moving over to Sony and they're moving over to Microsoft. Well, and that- not as much playing like. <laughs> baby games with lots of waggling, you know? Sure, so. and I mean, I, I think that's pretty understandable. Like, this is probably the time where there's the biggest, like, technological gulf between, quote-unquote, competing systems. Oh, like, yeah. The Wii U is not much more powerful, than, or the Wii is not much more powerful than a GameCube. No. And, like, the PS3 was a pretty substantial jump up oh, from, yeah. you know, a, a PS2. And so it's like, when you play, when you look at a Wii game, even, like, Mario Galaxy, which is, like, a beautiful-looking game... Yeah. And you compare it to, like, Uncharted, it's just like, wow, this is at a whole other level of what feels, like, new and exciting. Like, big cinematic action-adventure versus, like, baby game shenanigans. You know, that's kind of what you were looking at. Yeah. And Nintendo wanted to turn that around, so that was kind of the stated development mission focus of the Wii U. We want to keep the the wide-open audience that we have, but we want to go a little deeper with it. Okay. So they started developing, uh, it went through several different iterations, but most of them incorporated a touchpad of some kind. There was an early model where there was going to be a small touchpad built into like a standard side controller, but they found it just wasn't very functional. It was too small to really have any kind of impact. It was almost like a slightly larger like VMU from the Dreamcast controller, you know, which... Not going to work. Not yeah, going to work. Yeah, it's just like it's such, I guess, a natural progression of ideas to feel like, okay, we've we've sort of made this giant breakthrough with pointing and waggling. Yeah. And sort of like what is the next step beyond the point and the waggle? It's the and touch. It's the touch. Yeah. Uh, write, this, write this down, people. <laughs> okay, first you point. Then you waggle. Then you touch. Yeah. Okay, that's the progression. Point, waggle. That's what we went to... This is where you go to school. You went to school and had lessons of like, mm-hmm. all right, what is the polite polite society when you meet a per- new person? Point, mm-hmm. waggle, uh huh, then, then touch. touch. If they if they give you the the go ahead <laughs> eyes after you waggle, that means you can touch. What do you think is the the trend for like? PS6 or the the Wii G or <laughs> the whatever the fuck Wii they want to call it, yeah, the, the Wii G board. It's uh, called. I think uh, it's it, just going to be doing the Dougie. <laughs> like that's it. Like everyone's doing the doing the cat daddy or something. Doing some kind of trendy dance from ten years ago. Sure. I would I, w- I would was gonna say it was more of a ruffle. But <laughs> <It's> a ruffle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the ruffles have ridges. I yeah. bet you can't have just one. 
So obviously in 2010, Apple comes out with the iPad, which pretty much invents the tablet computing market. And all of a sudden, tablet computing, that's the shit. That's where everything wants to go. So do you get weirded? I get weirded out. Like, I get how this was a huge breakthrough of, like, touchscreen. This changes how people use computers. But, like, sometimes I see people actually, like, use a laptop, like, with touch. It still weirds me out. Mine like, has that functionality. Like, yeah, there's most a little, of like, them do at this point. Like, you can yeah. touch the monitor. But and I, I'm like, I don't want to touch the monitor. It kind of like, just fucks me up, honestly. Like, yeah. sometimes I'll just be like, oh, there's some schmutz on my screen. Oh, whoops, I just signed up to be in ISIS. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I don't know why you have that app on your desktop, Steve. Well, I don't it's, know. Like, I, I signed up for one newsletter, and now it's just like, come on, join up, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's a whole thing. Um, so in 2011, Nintendo officially announces the Wii U at E3. They call it Project Cafe. That was the code okay. name for the Wii U. So that could have been the name of our podcast, but damn, that would have been stupid. Um, <laughs> not much was, not much more was known about the console at that time. All the, all that was known is that it would support HD for the first time on a Nintendo console. Oh, yeah, many, many years behind. Many, many years like... behind. Uh, it would be backwards compatible with the Wii, and it would be released in 2012. That's all we knew. And they were true to their word. A Wii U was released in North America on November 12, 2012. And, like, for what it's worth, like, none of these, if those are your features that you're, like, hyping or, like, you're unveiling, like, that's nothing to be excited about. No, 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 not at all. Uh, so, yeah, it was released four weeks ahead of the Japanese console. So the console was available at the time in either the basic white model, which offered 8 gigs of support and an HDMI cable, or the Deluxe, which was a black 32-gig console. It came packed in with Nintendo Land, and it gave you a subscription to the Nintendo Network Premium. So the basic set was $299.99. The Deluxe was $349.99, which made it the most affordable console of this console generation by a wide margin. Um, So Um. the Deluxe model would actually go down to $299 by August of 2013, so just like less than a year later. Uh, this was just a generally like hard time for Nintendo. Like, yeah, this because this is the 3DS. I think would have come out around this time as well. Yeah, and I remember that had a price drop. I think just within a year of it getting released as well. The the three you know the three the the Wii U tends to be a little crapped on by people who look back on it. the the 3DS. Like I don't know anybody who doesn't like the 3DS, no. but it just didn't really go. You know, for whatever reason, people. I mean, it went eventually. It just it took a long time. Yeah, yeah. like it, it became a very well successful console, but like the initial games and sort of opinion of like, oh, this is kind of all this thing is, were very mixed. Yeah, and um, I think it, it like with most Nintendo things, it took a Mario Kart and it took a Pokemon for for it to right, really. Right, but that's take off. what is odd is like it is proof that like things can start off pretty shaky and with the right support, really become something that people love. And the Wii U just never got to that point. Yeah. 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 No, it just never really did. So Nintendo had a marketing problem with the Wii U right from the get-go. And most analysts that I've read blame it on that name, Wii U. We talked about it a little bit, but like that U, some people suspect that that may have done as much as like halved Nintendo's business. Just that one little U. Because here's the problem with it. Okay. The common conception was that the gamepad was the console. So you were buy you thought people thought that they were buying the gamepad and it would work with your existing Wii kind of like a high-tech peripheral. And that's not like Nintendo hadn't set the precedent for that. They well, tend so- to daisy chain modifiers under their existing consoles. There's a Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Advance SP, Game Boy Advance Micro, you know. Yeah. They tend to do that. 
And consumers didn't really understand that there was a difference between the two consoles. Like there was even like Jimmy Fallon on his Tonight Show was like talking about the Wii U and like getting real excited about it the way he does. Sure. And uh, he kind of spread a lot of that misinformation about it. Just like you just get this, you get this gamepad, you attach it to your console oh, and now wow. you can play like the next generation of games. Okay. So Wait, he, well, I mean, let's talk about that. Real yeah, because like this is the heart of what the Wii U is like for those of you who are a very strange person and mm -hmm. don't know anything about the Wii U, but decide we are going to be your introduction to what it is. Um, Not it, judging. We, we love no, strange people. Yeah. Here. I mean, we are two of them right here. Yeah. But like, listen, because wow. we're about to explain um, the Wii U, like the whole gimmick behind it is it still works with your Wii remote. So like it's basically just a Wii. Yeah. But in addition, there's this big, hefty gamepad, which is sort of squarer than the Switch. Yeah. But heavier. Yeah. Like, it, it, feel, it feels like if somebody whacked you with this thing, like if someone whacked you with a Switch, you'd be like, oh, man, is that Switch OK? Yeah. But if yeah, somebody yeah. whacked you with this thing, you'd be like, God damn it, that hurt. It's like, like that evolution of man chart, you know, yeah. like if the Wii, if the Switch is like a, the Homo erectus, you know, the Wii U is just like the, the Homo habilis or whatever. Yeah, it's, it, like, it's kind of like a bulky Neanderthal version. Yeah. Of like, it hasn't fully evolved into the sleek uh, bipedal thing that we know and love. The Wii U um, was making like fires in caves. Yeah, yeah exactly. And exactly. so this thing connects wirelessly to the Wii U system um and you most commonly displays what's on your tv yeah so you get this very confusing aspect of um having action going on on your pad and on your tv yeah and you can play it you can turn off the tv and only play on the pad but you can't get very you can't go very far like it still has to be connected to the wii u yeah i think certain like downloadable games you could play independently from the console but you do dis, dis, you do still need a power source like okay. so it's just kind of an awkward thing but yeah you, you do generally have to be within range like within the same room so as the console. yeah it's it like work. a the gamepad felt like it was sort of the size and heft of a console yeah but it actually needed a console connected to actually work and it, it didn't and, help either that nintendo wasn't super clear on what the u actually meant right so they they've I mean, it was kind the of, eye. Like, it was just the time where people were putting yeah. eyes next to everything. And the idea was that, like, okay, the name we was meant to invoke, like, we, like, you and I, like, yeah. all of us. Like, it's meant for everybody. And then the you is meant to be you, as in you, only who can prevent forest fires? <laughs> you protect you. Referring to me. me. The correct answer was you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I love that episode. That's kind of the idea is that like, all right, so it's still got this, the, the open kind of everyone can play, but it's a little deeper and a little more personalized. That's kind of the idea they're okay. going for. But that's a long fucking walk. It's, to a, take. it's a long fucking walk. It has no connection to the idea of this controller. Yeah. Um, which, like, the controller is a pretty new idea. Like, nothing, there's nothing very comparable to this on the market. No. Uh, like, um, that's something that's sort of a hybrid portable thing and home console, even though it's not really portable. Yeah. Um, and I feel like another real drawback of this gamepad thing, even though that's what everything is built on, is it is not a comfortable controller. Like, we just got done playing uh, a bunch of N64 games yeah. and came down anti-N64 controller. <laughs> but uh, this the thing is, it's just so gall darn heavy. Yeah, it's, it's too the, thick. The trigger buttons are so far away. Like, I have small hands for a uh, man my age. <laughs> um, 
But he wiggled I, his fingers suggestively just now yeah. for people who couldn't see it. Yeah. Um, but let me let me just paint you a picture here. When I was younger, I had even smaller hands, and I don't. That's, that's normal. That's oh, normal. Okay, don't good. don't it's, worry about that. Oh, phew, yeah, I, it's been upsetting for. <laughs> They're a long supposed time. to grow. I had yeah. to chat to my counselor about. Don't this look role. at me in my baby hands and <laughs> yeah. like think that this is the norm. Well, like, my hands keep getting bigger. <laughs> I don't know how to stop them. Um. Anyway, I don't think I could like reach some of these back trigger buttons like. Mm. I don't know. It's just such a weird thing of like, this is going to appeal to everyone, but the actual setup of this console is just not very intuitive. Yeah. Um, it's you, like twice as thick as the switch controller. If you're thinking of like the switch game pad, like yeah. it's, it's twice as thick as that. And that's only half the, that's only the controller. Like there's still a whole other console <laughs> yeah. for the switch. That's the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, and it's and, half the width. And it's like, you need, um, you know, we encountered this for the first time. You're like, Oh, this game pad is dead. Like yeah. we forgot to charge it. So yeah, it's yeah. like, well now we basically can't play a game even though it's all running through this console anyway. Yeah. You, just, you never quite feel like you're It's kind of like, why am I going through all this? <laughs> it's, it's clunky. It's a clunky interface. And, uh, I, I don't know. Let's we'll, let's we'll see as we proceed through the show. Like if we're gonna grow to love this thing, right. I don't I don't suspect I will. I, I, I guess. But, okay. So is that the question that we are seeking to answer? Is the weird things that the Wii U does like? Because there's now there's things that make the Wii U unique. Like yeah. this gamepad. Yeah. Does a lot of unique things, and the game we're talking about today is very good way to start because it yeah. demonstrates a lot of these things. But we're say. Do those strengths that that weird gamepad brings give this system some something beyond just being a footnote on the way to the Switch? I think that's like, a good question to ask. I think, like, is there something worth uh, uh, teasing out on its own? Like, is there something more to this than just being the transitional period between these two mega hit consoles? Right. Uh, so a little bit more history. Yeah, initial sales were slow. Uh, I think by January, the console was selling about one-fifth of what the Wii did at the same time, which okay. is really not great. And almost immediately, the console started losing third-party support. So by so keep in mind, this launched in November 2012. By spring of 2013, EA pulled out of the system. Ooh. Ubisoft, Bethesda followed shortly after. Okay, like, like These are the three big yeah. ones. Once you've lost that, you've lost about 75% of your game library. That's huge. Like, you know, So there are some games from EA and, and Bethesda and Ubisoft on the system, but they were launch games. Oh. And you basically didn't see anything else from them after that. And I imagine a lot of this, too, had to do with that sort of technological gulf in terms of what the processing power is available. Because if, you, if you're EA and you're programming you know, the next big hit, like the porting process to an Xbox and a PS4 is going to be somewhat comparable because they're comparable powered systems. Right. And if you want to port that to the Wii U, you really need to make concessions, change, you know, aspects of the code, cut content. It seems like it'd just be a lot more work yeah. for a system that's going to sell a lot fewer copies. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the system did rally a little bit a couple years into it when, uh, well, especially when Mario Kart 8 came out. Mario Kart 8 was a massive, massive if hit. It was had, a system mover. Like, it was for the first time they had a system mover for the Wii U. If this thing had launched with Mario Kart 8, like, it oh, might have just be been a, a success. It'd be, like, it'd, just straight be, up. It'd be a different story entirely, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, if they just launched with that. But I mean... Uh, uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze was like a huge hit uh, early on that kind of got people to buy consoles. So okay. Smash Brothers, obviously, is yep. always going to be big. You know, so it, it was it was looking good enough by about 2015 that some analysts are like, all right, maybe this little thing's going to rally after all. But 
It unfortunately did not turn out to be enough, even with some high-profile exclusives like Bayonetta 2 uh, being announced for the console. just wasn't quite enough. By 2015, Nintendo opted to discontinue the basic model, and they just ramped up production. And they were starting to ramp up production on the Switch around this time, and so fewer and fewer games were being produced. And on January 31st, 2017, so less than five years, uh, Nintendo announced that they were officially discontinuing the console the very last game to be released for the console was Just Dance 2019. And to provide some context on just how big of a whiff this console was, <laughs> Just Dance 2020 was released on the original Wii, but they skipped the Wii U entirely. Wow. Because yeah. people in nursing homes and like uh, 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 daycares and, and you know things like that are still playing the original Wii. But don't have a Wii U. They don't have a Wii U. So in the end, the console sold a little more than 13 million units worldwide. So uh, like, what can you compare? Do, do you have like a PS4 sales number, for example? I don't have a PS4, but if we're comparing like, to other Nintendo consoles, like, just a Wii, like, like Nintendo 64, which was considered a bit of a failure, sold 32 million. Oh, wow. GameCube, okay. also a bit of a and, failure. It sold 21 million. And it's also and just... And the Wii sold 101 million. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and just like generally... Consoles sell more and more copies like each generation. Aside yeah. from like the Wii and the PS2, which were kind of just massive successes, like each successive generation sells more. And so when you think that the Wii U sold less than an N64, yeah. like that that that's bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. You know, yeah, because it's we're we're in a boom, you know, like it just wasn't selling in the N64 era as much. Uh real quick, I want to talk a little bit just basically about what can this thing do? Like, what is this? What does this console do? Yeah, there's a so, bunch of features. Like when you a boot, when you boot this thing up, they give you get this bright white menu just full of these Mii's, which yeah, were the, I don't like the Mii's really. Nintendo really pushed these hard. For they like went an era, and now with yeah. the Switch, they're just like, all right, we're done with this. Yeah, but you you play uh you know your 3ds, your Wii, or your Wii U, and they really are like. Your me has got to be integrated in everything here. Yeah, yeah, and it like, really what kind of defined this era for, of Nintendo. For, like, these sort of avatars, um, which are just kind of like little stick men with some very basic customization, like, we we, we took a picture of you, mm -hmm. like, because the, the gamepad has a camera built in. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, you want to make a we, we, me from your picture? We took it, and boy, like, you are not that ugly in person, Steve. Like, you, I, I you, always love hearing that, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was very <laughs> unflattering pictures. Oh, and yeah. they just don't give you the level of customization you want. Like, it, it has nothing on, like, most N64 wrestling games. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, They're very simple. I mean, Your you facial know, hair is, like, kind of a part of you. Yeah. And, like, without it, you're like, that doesn't really have the Steve vibe that we need. No, right? like, the only, like, beard option that was comparable to my beard was, like, way thick. And it was, like, taking over the whole yeah, face. Yeah, you were either Joseph like, no. Smith or, like, a Chris Angel. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was nothing in between. <laughs> the two moods. Yeah. Joseph Smith or Chris Angel. Uh, okay, so, you know, obviously the signature feature of the Wii U is the gamepad, which is that tablet controller that doubles as a touchpad and a second screen. So one of Nintendo's big selling points for the gamepad was off-TV play. Basically mm -hmm. just... Being able to play your game while other people are using the TV. This is still envisioning a world where, like, most households are one TV, yeah, which I don't yeah. think is the case anymore. I mean, much the same way that the Wii was envisioning a world where most people didn't have HD TVs. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, and worth noting, the Wii U is uh, Nintendo's first HD console, yeah. so that's worth noting. You already uh, said that. We already noted it. We noted it. Yeah. All right, so it, it's a cool feature. I, I do think that's a cool idea, but it does come with some caveats. So firstly... Uh, the game, co the gamepad doesn't work with every game. 
like Ooh. or the the second screen feature doesn't work with every game okay. like uh for example, like I was playing 007 Legends on there, which is like okay. a first person shooter. And your second screen is only a map and an inventory. So like you can't switch from like the main screen to the small one uh, without losing your game. Well, and like Nintendo Land, which was, yeah. spoiler alert, the game we played today. It is. Um, that would not work for he- that this either. Because yeah. like there's a bunch of sort of mini games where you have to sort of switch looking at the pad and the TV because they're showing you different information. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as we already mentioned, like, you couldn't really take the gamepad into a different room. You did have to just keep playing your game on the couch while your dad watches football or whatever. But still, the gamepad does have some cool features. So it's got a built-in 1.3 megapixel camera, which allows for very rudimentary video chat. And you could also scan your face into the console. a very weird feature, at least in Nintendo Land, where... When you're playing like a four-player game and one person looking at the gamepad, they'll just show that person's face on the upper right corner of the TV looking. It's just, it's never a flattering look like the face that you make while playing video games. What are you talking about? My selfies are all from under the chin. Yeah, exactly. Like, I like looking at my double chins and up my nose at the same time. Because your face, you're always like alternating between sort of intense focus and like frustration or sort of elation like you're you're focused on the game you're not paying attention to like yeah. looking good so it's just it's a very unflattering picture that all your friends just get to look at you up in the corner yeah luckily you could turn this off very easily but it's weird that it's on by default it like, is yeah yeah it's kind of disconcerting yeah so the the chat function doesn't work in tandem with games uh and nintendo had announced plans to update it and include that feature but it never really happened and now video chat has been disabled from the system well that's a recurring theme here we're gonna see a lot of it yeah again much like the 3ds nintendo was really pushing a lot of these sort of social features yeah like whereas the 3ds like street pass and stuff make a lot of sense because you have your 3ds with you when you go to like a convention or some kind of social event yeah you're not bringing your Wii U with you. No, you can't. It's it's just going to be this big useless brick if you're walking around with that out in public. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a little strange. Another weird feature here is that you could program your Wii U gamepad to be your TV remote. I haven't tried it because I don't want to, but I think the argument was uh, that this is, is, I mean, this is the era of like every console needs to be everything. It needs to be a full multimedia everything you need to be able to control your entire house from this nintendo device yeah, you know yeah. uh which you know i'm i'm not railing against i'm not like you know in the good old days games are for games well it's well, fine yeah. it's convenient I, I i have like 12 different ways i can access hulu if i need to well, they've just realized that now the most sensible way to do that is just to talk to a speaker which yeah. just does it for you yeah, exactly. which aside from like gross violations of our privacy is pretty convenient right <laughs> well i mean we learned this on our Hey You Pikachu episode uh, on Ultra 64, but microphones uh, or like devices that require voice recognition don't uh, acknowledge me as a oh. human person. Is that true of even of the newer technology? That's true of, uh, yeah, Alexa doesn't know me, Siri doesn't understand me. Like, wow. yeah, whatever whatever it is that's going on You're just the right in my voice, yeah, it's just uh, there's something. You got something. that sweet podcasting voice, but bad for ordering replacement toilet paper. I think I need to be like, hey, baby, Alexa, <laughs> yeah. you want to order me some shit tickets? <laughs> Wait, what? You never heard toilet paper called shit tickets? No, I, I love that. Okay. It's a, you could use that. You please. can use that. Yeah, people take notes people, on that one as well. Shit tickets. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, the gamepad is not the only way to play, which is pretty cool. It's versatile. The console supports the original Wii controllers, as well as the wireless Wii U Pro controller. And some games even allow you to connect your 3DS and control it that way. But it always kind of, like, that stuff is fun to mess around with, but it always kind of defaults to the gamepad. Yeah, Like, yeah. the gamepad is always going to be your go-to. Like, it was never... Every time I play a Wii, mm-hmm. oh, the batteries are dead. Yeah. Oh, you need to resync this. Every you know? time. And it's just like, I don't know. And so to reconnect those Wii motes is always a hassle. So even though the gamepad is not super comfortable, you're always going to be having to use it. Even like a lot of the settings, like we were able to navigate the sort of basic menu using a Wii mode, but as soon as you go into like system settings, they're like, okay, use your gamepad now. Yeah, and it's like, well, it's like just, you just, can show me this on the TV. Come on. Yeah, it 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 definitely needed the the idea needed some streamlining, a hundred percent. So Nintendo definitely seemed. Well, the one other big thing we need to mention here is that this console is fully backwards compatible with your Wii. So you've got so, a full library of 900,000 games play on here. GameCube games too? No, it oh, doesn't. Even no. though the GameCube was ba- or the Wii was backwards compatible with GameCube. Right, yeah, right. yeah. Unfortunately, there's no like GameCube controller port on this, so you wouldn't be able to play any of your games that way. Well, I would think that the I mean there's USB ports on here. You'd think yeah. that they would have had that technology. Yeah, not so much. Okay. Either way, that's still like right out the gate. You have a thousand plus games like that were on the sure. Wii. Yeah, they're they'll work fine on this. Uh, and so you can kind of, you know, dustbin your old Wii. Uh, so Nintendo definitely seemed dedicated to getting online right this time around, or at least get closer to being right. But like N- Nintendo's definition yeah. of what is right for online is very different than like they're, other companies. Make no mistake. They're still like four generations behind yeah. everyone else when it comes to that. The Switch is like, they're, they're there almost. They're getting there. Boy, I don't, there's still no voice chat. Still no like, voice chat. You still chat. have to like That's... Discord on your phone or something. Either way, the Wii U uh, introduced the Nintendo network, which got rid of uh, friend codes. So these okay. big clunky hard to memorize, hard to type out, 16-digit friend codes that you had to type in on your Nintendo DS. Those are gone. Now you can just search for somebody by their username, like God intended. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that it's, it's significantly streamlined the experience. And Nintendo even added their own kind of oddball social media network to the Wii U. Yeah. It was called the Miiverse. And that's where you and your friends could kind of mill about in the lobby in me form, posting about game-specific messages and encouragement. It's not like Twitter where you can just jump in and say whatever's on your mind. Mm. It all tends to be tied to games that you are playing. But you could also, like, put little artworks along with these messages because you could draw on your gamepad. Right. People would draw these pictures of, like, how it was like a Rorschach test of like, how does Nintendo land make you feel? Yeah. And they would just like draw these weird squiggly mo- lines and be like Metroid rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know that there was probably, three, which incidentally Metroid does rock. Yeah, there yeah. were pretty tight filters yeah. on what uh, did and did not like make it through here. But a lot of these drawings look like penises. Sure. That's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, it's inevitable. Speaking of, like, with, with their looser restrictions on online gaming, they did put heavy emphasis on parental controls. So right. you can put pretty restrictive parental controls, yeah, lots you of had customization. To, <laughs> you, you, had, you had bought this Wii U, like, what, over Marketplace or something? Yeah. Right? Facebook and, Marketplace. Yeah. And it's like, we. We had to go in and pay Nintendo 50 cents yeah. to deactivate the parental I had to enter controls. my credit card yeah. for a 50 cent charge. Yeah, it was kind of ridiculous just to undo the parental controls on this. But at least it's all freed up now. Uh, and apparently, according to an article I found on uh, Complex, it is possible to watch porn on the Wii U yeah, because course. they have a browser. So it's something you have to do. 
something you have to do. That, JJ, if you're parental one of the controls. laws of being an American. If you come across a device <laughs> with a browser, you have to watch porn on it. You gotta. It. You it's, gotta. It's, it's the Fifth Amendment, I believe. Uh, that's that's why so many people are like wanking on smart fridges. Like, you know, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's a it's a pandemic, frankly. Yeah. Uh, then, of course, there is streaming. So users could connect their Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, or even their cable through a weird service called TVII, or I think it was pronounced like TV, like we, oh, like sure, TV, sure. which is stupid. I bet the amount of people who use this feature was triple digits. Like, maybe. I bet they maybe. didn't even get to the thousands. Oh, I, I kind of <laughs> doubt it. Even though, like, I like the idea of this. It, it is, it's basically what your smart TV will do now. It's kind of a hub for all your different streaming right. services, except they had, like, more of a unified search functions so you could say like oh i want to watch like you know breaking bad or something so you type in breaking bad it'll take you to whatever service is showing that at the time which is something i find very frustrating about the modern streaming landscape is that like it's it's uh it's trying to build a house on a on a quicksand you know you're you never know exactly where just because harry potter is like on hbo one day it doesn't mean it's gonna go to some fucking obscure thing i don't want to pay for secrets is uh on tubi or something right yeah it all moves around i have a very weird example like i I was able to watch all episodes of the ifc sketch comedy show the birthday boys except except the first one which is tied to some like really bizarre like it's it's not even like AMC. It's like AMC Plus or something. I don't oh, know. It's wow. some some like super. They had an initial pilot that went to one network and then right. AMC bought it. And then like so you you can you can get every episode except for the first one. But then if you sign up for that service, you get the first one and not every other episode. Like sure. really fucking annoying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it does feel like I mean I feel like a lot of what happened with this Wii U is they were sort of ahead of the curve for a lot of these ideas. And then when the Switch came out, they're like, oh, we figured it out. Like, we figured it out sooner than we thought we would of, yeah. like, what this technology should be. Uh-huh. So we kind of have no choice but to discontinue the Wii, yeah. the Wii U, because, like, once you figured out how the Switch works and it's all just so much more intuitive and works so well, yeah. you just, like, how can you even sell the Wii U as a product anymore? Yeah, right. yeah, that's the thing. And I yeah. feel like they just got there sooner than they thought they would. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, we need this middle ground of having this powered console to like, because otherwise your gamepad is going to be a million pounds. So yeah. as it is, we can only have it be like 50 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then when they're like, oh, wait, we can actually fit all this stuff in the Switch and it's comfortable to hold and it's intuitive. Yeah. They're like, well, I guess, you know, even though this console was a failure, like it's really dead now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that, those are kind of the core uh, uh, features of the Wii U. I mean, there's going to be some more like weird little things that we can get into, and then a lot of other little things that are gone now, like right. WiiWare support and a lot and of chatting and uh, just general social interactions in the weird way that they're integrated into the game. Yeah, are just something we're not going to have the chance to experience. Exactly. And, and exactly. like the thing that's, I mean, it's sad for like a stupid reason. It's like. Um, you, you feel like wistful that you're not able to experience the fun of having people bring their me's into your theme park over the internet. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? If this was active and it was day of, I'd be like, I hate that feature. Yeah. I don't want that, but I am kind of sad that like, I can't do that now. Right. It's like in demon souls or something where you're like, oh, I can't access these vague notes and people coming into my world and killing me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's like, well. I don't really want those features anyway because they sound awful. Yeah. 
I, the, the one last thing I want to talk about before we jump into Nintendo Land is uh, launch Man, I titles. I would love to jump into Nintendo Land. Let's do it. Uh, the, the launch titles. So the Nintendo 64 gave us a whopping two launch titles sure. on day one. We got Pilot Wings. We got Super Mario 64. That's all you could play. But you uh, know what? It's kind of all you needed to play. That's like. the thing. The Wii U gives us 24 games available wow. to launch in addition to the entire Wii suite. But it, so we got a healthy mix here. There's some Nintendo first party stuff. And then there's lots of like big third party games that were kind of retrofit to use some of the Wii U features. Okay. But I'm, I'm going to read the list here and then I'll, I'll kind of discuss the problem with this. So the titles I might be able to anticipate the problem. We'll see. Launch titles include Assassin's Creed 3, Batman Arkham City, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, Darksiders 2, Epic Mickey 2, ESPN Sports Connection, FIFA 13, Funky Barn, <laughs> I love that name, Game Party Champions, Just Dance 4, New Super Mario Bros. U, Ninja Gaiden 3, Nintendo Land, Rabbids Land, Scribblenauts Unlimited, Sing Party, Skylanders Giants, Sonic and Sega All-Star Racing's Transformed, Tekken Tag Tournament 2, Transformers Prime, Warriors Orochi 3 Hyper, Wipeout 3, Your Shape Fitness Evolved 2013, and Zombie U. Okay. So this is this is a this is a healthy selection. That, 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 I was gonna I was gonna anticipate that the problem was they were all a bunch of garbage, but that's no, not no, the problem no. at all. Like you listed no. like a bunch of good games. I, I think the problem here is, what are you going to point to in this list as the one killer app that you just mm. have to have on the on the Wii U? Well, like, like Batman Arkham Asylum or Assassin's Creed Three had all been out on other consoles for like a year or two at this point yeah yeah so like it's cool that they're there but anyone who's really excited about them would have already played yeah and and there are new like touchscreen features and cool things to cool new ways to play which we'll i'm sure explore in time here but other than that the big title here is new super mario brothers u or nintendo land people don't know what nintendo land is but they're getting it for free either way it's coming with your console yeah uh but new super mario brothers u terrible name terrible name uh, cause it doesn't really, all, it doesn't really tell us anything about it, except it's just going to be continuing the DS series, which is hugely successful. Well, and the Wii, I mean, there was new Super Mario Brothers on the Wii, which was also very successful. Right. But the, again, much less the same way as the console itself. It's unclear the relationship of new Super Mario Brothers U That's to new thing. Super Mario Brothers Wii. Is this like, a new game? Mm-hmm. Is this a, is this a port of new Super Mario Brothers Wii? Like, right. it's really not very clear. And so you know that's what? the big New problem. Super we- Mario Brothers Wii is like, it is not a game you would sell a console on. No. You're, you're like, okay, I have this. I guess I'll just get this Mario game. But it is a pretty small, unambitious game. I, I'm maybe my controversial opinion is that I really don't like the new Super Mario yeah, Brothers game. That's games. not a controversial opinion. I just, I don't like them. They don't feel right. They don't right. feel right. And I, most of the time, I just spend getting in each other's way in yeah. an irritating, unfun Mario way. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, props to them for giving us a lot of variety here, for mm-hmm. giving us a lot, like a nice mix of like, there's some M-rated games in here, so they're trying to bring in some of the older crowd, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, there's it's difficult to see the forest for the trees. Kinda, You're right. You, know? you just like, want like a new big adventure game of like you. You need a 3D. I mean, it's the same thing we all we brought up many times, especially in our Patreon episodes talking about like Luigi's Mansion or something. It's like. When Nintendo releases a new console, you just need a 3D Mario or Zelda game there. You do. Like, I'm it's sorry. That it's that simple. It's like, boring, but like give us Mario Kart, give us Zelda, like to yeah, sell the console. You know, this is what people or give us a Smash Brothers. Do something yep. that's gonna move this console and, and then start getting don't weird release with the it. System until you have that. Just yeah. make it easy on it. Like get you, weird like, with the it. The system is not done. 
until that game is done. That's like, the thing. Just keep postponing this because you're just going to get bad press initially, and that's you. You have to get butts and seats before you can start like really flexing what you can do. Right. You know, like so. Speaking of what they can do, let's finally talk about Nintendo yeah, Land. Yeah, uh, this is re- this is really like the flex. This is the little deviance of. Uh, this you is. ever play Little Deviants? No. Uh, little Deviants was essentially the tech demo equivalent for the Vita. Oh, where okay. They had a bunch of poorly thought out mini games where you had to touch all the different ends of the Vita. Okay. <laughs> it was not good. They they had like the Vita had like a PS Playground or something built into mm-hmm. it as well that kind of did a similar thing. I mean, this is very similar. Like the Vita is kind of a similar idea of the Wii U of yeah. just like there's a bunch of additional features here that just kind of all fell by the wayside pretty quickly. Sure. <laughs> they realized, boy, this, this doesn't I, work that well. Actually, PS5 has a, a, a built-in game. It's like Astrobots, like uh, Playroom or something yeah. like that. That's basically just this. It's a it's a tech demo. But I've heard that game's actually really good. I've heard it's great. Yeah, which yeah. Is, which is odd. So yeah. Nintendo Land was released November 18th, nine, or 2012, developed by Nintendo EAD Software Group Number 2 and published by Nintendo, and this is a Wii U exclusive. Just to clarify about what these Nintendo EAD things are. Yeah. So uh, whenever we say a game is developed by Nintendo, basically what we really mean is it was done by Nintendo EAD, which stands for the Entertainment and Analytics Division. That's You're their Nintendo's more than just like six guys sitting in like a warehouse who just develop all these Zelda games. I think seven guys. Yeah, okay. yeah I think yeah, yeah. So yeah. more, more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is Nintendo's internal development team since the original F Zero, and they pretty much oversee every first party Nintendo game and everything in the Miyamoto like catalog. But there's like a difference between like a game that is like part of a Nintendo license, like a, maybe like a Star Fox Adventures or something. Yeah, it's not necessarily like developed by nintendo right exactly but but this is one that came internally this is absolutely uh so the development of this when when the team started working on this game they didn't fully know all the features the wii u would have so they were just kind of playing around a lot they wanted to see what would work they came up with a lot of different ideas some made it in some didn't some made it onto the 3ds okay um but uh unlike the wii sports franchise what this game lacked was like a central cohesive theme and I think eventually the idea for the theme park came up. Yeah. Like, all right, we're gonna unif- we're gonna make these all uh, mini games that are celebrating Nintendo's history, kind of incorporating their brand, and we're gonna set it in this fun little amusement park motif so that people can feel like they're playing and exploring. Well, we just talked about a second ago. We just said like Nintendo needs to launch with a big, you know, Mario Zelda game or whatever. But like the console that game before the Wii didn't mm-hmm. have one of those. Yeah, no. it was a huge success. And like weirdly, I think a lot of that is Wii Sports. Because well, did, like, they had Twilight Princess. Oh, sure, yeah, sure. But yeah. that was also that came out on GameCube not that not that much later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe yeah, maybe that was enough. But um, it's like Wii Sports. I think works really well because it's so easy to explain what it is to people who don't care about video games. You're like, yeah, it's just boxing. It's like, like oh, look, the 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 guy moves when my hand moves. Yeah, like, it's, exactly. It's, just tennis. Like, yeah, it's so simple. Whereas the idea of a Nintendo theme park that's like steeped in this nostalgia is exciting to like you or I. Yeah. It doesn't lead to selling millions and millions of systems. Not necessarily, but you can also see this is Nintendo's priority on like, all right, we're doing something more for like our core group. We're not just talking about carnival games here. We're not just doing sure. the, the cheapy shovelware. Like this is, but remember you play, us, we're you Nintendo. You play some we're of awesome. these games and you're like, 
yeah, this is just cheap shovelware, just cheap shovelware. With, with Nintendo <laughs> branding on it. Right, exactly. Uh, so as a pack-in game, obviously, this is pretty much going to be one of the best-selling sy- games on the system. That's right. normal. Uh, this is uh, the fifth best-selling game on the console. 5.2 million units sold. Wait, how can this be a pack-in game but not be the top selling game on the system. Like, do, because eventually it, they started selling it without Nintendo Land? Eventually they started selling okay. it without, uh, especially after Mario Kart came out. They oh, started okay. packing it with Mario Kart, that and that, that moved the console. And I'm guessing Mario Kart's the top selling game. It is. System, I think yeah. compared to uh, N64 had 45 games that made it to the million sellers level. I think Wii U only has like 19. Okay, okay. So, uh, all right, so make no mistake here, Nintendo Land is a tech demo. It's it's it is that is what it is. I, right. I think you if you ask anybody at Nintendo, I don't think I think that's usually kind of a pejorative label, but that is what this is. It's like here, here's a free game we're going to include that shows you how to play with your new system. Right. Which it, is fine. Which is totally fine. I have no problem with because that. If the games are fun. Yeah, exactly. And, and I like they but they don't skimp on the content here. Like no. I, there was never a sense of like this is a tech demo, you play for 10 minutes and you've seen everything like yeah there's, there's 12 mini games here yeah and they all feel like work was put into them at least aesthetically yeah um and content was put into them as well uh-huh yeah um, for sure the the sort i really don't like the vibe of this like the sort of shell of this game mm. um i like the idea of a nintendo theme park i would love to go to the real nintendo theme park which opened very recently i, I actually want to talk a little bit about yeah. that because yeah that's that's very yeah. that's very relevant as of we're recording this early before you guys are hearing it we're recording well this we're not recording February. it after they're hearing it Steve. really yeah, <laughs> yeah usually <laughs> that's how we do it yeah. we we record it in the future we send it back through the time phonograph <laughs> and then you listen to it in your ears but no uh, but as we're recording this, Nintendo, uh, Super Nintendo Land opened in Osaka, Japan, uh, at Universal Studios Japan just yesterday. I also very much wonder if um, this game and this theming somehow contributed to like, oh, yeah, we should have a theme park. I, you have to imagine because, right. all right, when the this came out in 2012, they announced Nintendo theme park in 2017. Right, meaning they knew that it was going to happen and they had already like thought it out, the, found the space, and made the plan. So it's entirely possible yeah, that it's from there. You know Five years of planning up to that. Yeah, that <laughs> I'm going to take a to leap me. in the dark here and say it's probably pretty hard to plan a theme park. Probably. probably takes some effort. I mean, <laughs> like, I've played that that video game, that theme park tycoon, yeah, you know, uh, pretty, pretty easy. But what I'm saying but, is yeah. that, that seems awesome. I would love to go to a Nintendo theme park. But, like, the actual theme park here is just, like, you're on this weird sort of place floating platform out in the abyss think like and, uh what's what's the what's the amusement park in final fantasy 7 like i don't know uh, it's like the golden disc or something but okay. it's like it's like this big round futuristic looking hub world with gates yeah you don't feel like like you know part of the success of Dis- the disney parks is like you feel like you are in the the world like yeah you, you're walking around toontown or whatever and you're like even though that's one of the lamer skeezier parts of disneyland yeah yeah you're like oh i really sort of feel like i'm in these old cartoons sure. and like here you really want to feel like i am in these nintendo games like there's you it's kind of just this hub to select your different mini games and like that's especially true because once you play like three mini games they just like make it a menu Sure. Like they're just like, oh, forget this hub world. Just pick from this menu. They, they streamline it a lot, you and know, I, and, I and the hub world, like they give you options to customize a little bit. You, you get coins from winning mini games, mm-hmm. which you use to play a little pachinko game, which you then 
win a prize from, and that prize is going to be like a, a decoration that you can put up in your hub somewhere. And like this, like so, your hostess here is this sort of floating television, flat screen TV. What's her name? Monita. Monita, like yeah. monitor. This character sucks. It, she's yeah, so bored. Like she's she talks- fully voice acted by Siri or something. But right, like, she yeah. talks in that robot voice, which like this character should be Bimo from Adventure Time. Yeah, who's like kind of the same vibe, but is super charming and cute. Yeah, and like this character, this character just has no personality, and like she talks so much. Like every intro to a game, she's like, "Let me tell you the rules to this game," and it's like, more like, "Let me tell you the rules of this game." And yeah. I think I feel like the real error that they made here was they just made her so wordy. Like aside from her voice having no real personality, like the joke is mm-hmm. she ha- exhibits no personality, but she says dialogue that like has flavor. Right. Like she's not only factual. She's like, isn't get this ready fun? to experience the thrill of interracial or not interracial <laughs> interspecies combat? She says that during <laughs> yeah. the yeah during Which the Pikmin kind of level. Make us laugh, but yeah. she's like. You share your hearts as a team. Make sure you work together. The game is all about having fun and working together. And it's like, God, stop talking. Like, this, either yeah. just tell us the bare bones of what we need or be a more fun, interesting character who we're excited to hear talk. Or let us advance through these dialogue options, at least, so we don't have to sit I mean, they just do eventually of, like, you can just skip. I mean, you... Yeah. We you just can... got to the point after we played the, the eighth minigame that we're just skipping the tutorial every time. Because they're pretty intuitive. All of them are intuitive, like... Th- yeah, she'll explain this to you in... That takes way too long, and then they'll give you a practice mode. Yeah. And you're like, look, I can figure this game out in 30 seconds. Absolutely. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it's very annoying. Like, she took too long... Like, there's a mode in this Pikmin game where you just hit the other person and pick up candy. Yeah. Like... She spent many minutes explaining to us how the game worked, and we skipped it. And yeah. then the two words came up, get candy, yeah. which is also a very funny Tinefeld joke. Get candy. Uh, get candy, get candy, get candy. And we're like, okay, we get it. Like, you you could have skipped all of this explanation. Yeah. Anyway, I, I probably talked about this more than I need to, but, like, this was the thing that annoyed me the most about this oh, game. Oh, yeah. No, and I agree. Like, I agree. And I think if, if you're... Um, of an older generation of Nintendo fan like, like we are, then... Like I'm not super crazy about the the meification of everything about like how kind of clean and corporate everything looks right. in in modern Nintendo games. They look games. very cute when they get the different hats, like when you yeah. get the Pikmin hats. And oh stuff. yeah, yeah. When you're going into the games and you're putting on costumes, it's real cute. But like I don't I I don't know when your game relies heavily on me's, I, I get less excited about yeah. it. But well, you just I, the, the, the so meat here the personality. The meat right. here is very uh, is kind of the uh, important part, yeah. and that's. The 12 mini games, And mm-hmm. I think we have established uh, through Nagano Winter Olympics and other uh, international track and field that we need to go through this entire suite of minigames. We, we do. Got, we got to try all of them. We, we, I mean, we've also established that these are games we generally enjoy playing for the show. Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah, don't, yeah. We, yeah, we're yeah, not no, sure no. how we feel about them as like, oh, I spent $60 on this game. Oh, and of course. And um, obviously but, 12 minigames is going to be highs and lows, obviously. Yeah. But uh, let's, let's start off. So they divide the games into three different kind of subsets. There's solo games, mm-hmm. there's cooperative games, and then there's team games, like where you can pl- uh, uh, versus, like versus. against each other. Okay. Uh, so let's start with the solo games. Yeah. The first one, and maybe my favorite in the entire game, is Takamuru's Ninja Castle. Okay. 
So obviously everything here is referring back to original Nintendo games. This is the one that people will know the least probably. Yeah, this, this is definitely the most obscure game. This comes from a Famicom release called the Mysterious Murasami Castle from 1986. For the Famicom disc system. Yeah, and it's like a top-down action game that looks pretty much identical to Zelda. It looks sim- yeah, it looks similar to Zelda, but imagine that instead of Zelda being about exploration, it was just about mowing down ninjas who yeah. came the level. And it's it's actually a very fun, fast-paced action game. So oh, check it yeah. out if you can run a Famicom disc and and I, I don't know that you're necessarily going you, you don't I, I, I don't think there's much connection between what you're no. seeing in this and what that game actually looks like other no. than the ninja theme. But this game asks you to hold your Wii U gamepad uh, uh, vertically like upright right. on its side. Another like awkward thing being is this game is pretty heavy like it's just an awkward motion for like a kid to do i would yeah think. yeah a little bit but you can rest this on your lap That's like true. during this part so basically what you're doing is you're laying the the gamepad flat like mm-hmm. when it's vertical like that and then there's a little uh, origami ninja star on your screen and you're just like sliding your hand across it to throw the ninja star ba- yeah, at targets front. uh and it's incredibly fun like right off the bat it's just super fun to me i don't know so you have to throw three ninja stars at a little taiko drum to make sure that you're, it's like calibrated properly. Sure. And then you're being beset by all these origami ninjas in like the shooting gallery style. The ninja, the ninja designs are very cute. Like a lot of these games have kind of a paper craft feel, yeah. um, which is something Nintendo leaned in, has leaned into more with like Yoshi's Crafted World or something. And yeah. It, it is a very cute design here. The ninjas have a lot of personality. They're different colors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of them are just like your standard target practice. But then like the green ninjas will throw stars back at you. Yellow ninjas will have bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, just to be clear, like, this game is not any more complicated than your most basic sort of Wii shooting gallery. Yeah. It's just basically they flipped the motion upside down. Instead of pulling a trigger with your underfinger, um, you use your main finger and you push topwise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> topwise, topwise. Uh, but it is, it is a whole different motion. It really does kind of feel like you are, like, flicking your stars. I think the yeah. thing I wasn't crazy about this game was just the realization that oh this is really all there is i would have really have liked to see more of a level of precision like a sort of target practice mode where you had to like curve your stars or something you know golden golden tee style where you like go left to right or man i really like golden tee golf (laughs) like it's pretty fun either that or or the james mcavoy movie wanted yeah where you can curve your bullets obviously (laughs) sure that's 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 what it should be based um because there's just not a lot here like you have a score meter that like by hitting combos and not missing you get a higher score yeah um i just couldn't imagine playing this game for all that long no even though the motion is pretty cool but at, at the same time like I don't think any of these are meant to be played for like horribly long periods of time. You know, I think you, I think you kind of want to be able to breeze through these a little bit. But you're always and this like, one does something different than any other game in this system on well, this, maybe. On this collection. Mean, you know, on this like, collection. Yeah. On this collection. Yeah. Maybe like I don't know. It's just like more of like a level select or a shooting gallery mode because every time you play, you're starting from the same level. Yeah. And playing through the same area. It's so. it's simple, but like there's some goofy fun to like you know being feeling like you're flinging ninja stars yeah. like that. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's goofy, but I liked it. Uh, Our next one is Donkey Kong's Crash Course, Uh, and this one's all about the Wii U gamepad's gyroscope, which I didn't even really mention it has. It has a gyroscope. (laughs) Because why not? Uh, Why not? Uh, So this one's all about tilting. So you uh, uh, are, you have, I don't know how to describe your little vehicle here. It's like a a triangle with like two wheels on the bottom supporting your face. face. 
And it does come into play because sometimes like one wheel can get snagged on something yep. and you need to yep. reset. So like it's an intentional design. And basically you're just tilting your little guy and kind of navigating this little maze uh, in a Donkey Kong kind of aesthetic. You can press your L and R triggers to move I mean, switches sometimes. Kind of like those horrible marble mazes where you have kinda. to like put the marble in and like tilt it to avoid the holes. God, I hate those things. And like um, if it's you it's not as annoying as those. No. If you speed too fast, like into a wall, you'll explode. If you get caught on something, you'll explode. So like it, it it's tricky uh to maneuver your way through and it. And then they have these platforms that you have to sort of press the trigger buttons to flip down or up so you can go up or down, you know. Yeah. So you can move through them. It the, again, this is clever, like it it's it's neat but i don't know i don't know if i would describe it as very fun no like, not necessarily um, i mean there's a there's a skill involved in this obviously and uh obviously this must be a, a kind of game that people like playing because it's still being made yeah. I, it's it's not for me i i don't necessarily need like gyroscope control things like this and it doesn't feel donkey kongy at all no like the graphics are basically again sort of a this kind of had like a sewn fabric look to it. A little um, bit or like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Or like hand-drawn, like by like, by a kindergartner, like kind of crayon and pencil sort of look. Yeah, but there's no yeah. like dodging here. I no. don't think like Donkey Kong's not attacking you with barrels or anything like that. No. Um, and just like, I don't know, it, it, I feel like, again, I wanted just like a tiny bit more here like the difference between your game pads here is on the tv you're seeing the entire level yeah and then on your game pad you're seeing a much more zoomed in version so you have it's like basically a spectator mode on the tv kind of and like you're only going to be playing on your game pad yeah similarly uh we have captain falcon's twister race another gyroscopic game this was this the time worst one this might be the worst one. Yeah, I think so. This uses f-zero characters we're like, big fans always, of f-zero on the show exciting. this this is the newest f-zero thing this is the newest f-zero anything which is very depressing yeah yeah seriously yeah that's a little bit much but like basically you are using the wii u uh gamepad to steer a f-zero racer very slowly but you're through steering it gyroscopic style like gyroscopic it looks like, style it looks like f-zero gx or something if that game had no sense of speed and you oh, had to it's, yeah it's, it's slower than penny racers like it's nothing it, it feels it's, very slow uh and it, it's like no fun if you're playing on the gamepad because like you're looking at your screen you have to kind of look at your screen to hit the uh boosts yeah. you know if you want to keep yourself moving i don't think they appear on the tv no they do they do, do they but it is it's very confusingly laid out because you were playing this first on the pad i was just looking at the tv and on the tv it just looks like an f-zero game yeah and i was slow like, All but right, still this, it's yeah, like this, it, kind it, of boring, this, this looks nice but whatever um and then when you look at your pad you're just kind of seeing a top-down view with your big me head um sitting there and the, the sort of curves of the track and so there's absolutely no personality or visual panache to the gamepad screen. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm assuming that that's what they want you to look at, mm -hmm. but it's just like, it's so boring. Yeah. And like, there's just one basic track here that has kind of 12 areas that it's just all flat and you hit boosts occasionally. This but is, like, yeah, I don't it's know. It's real the, dull. The basic gameplay here of just like, this is F0, but you sort of tilt the gamepad is not very exciting. No. But the fact that the levels are also so boring and there's no sense of speed like this this is a, this game should have either been removed from the collection or or goosed up somehow goosed like up significantly cuz this is one where you just you kind of feel embarrassed like yeah. for this existing 
And speaking of embarrassed for this existing, Nintendo should be a little bit more embarrassed about Balloon Fight, but they really want us to love Balloon Fight. Yeah. Balloon Trip Breeze is the next mini game, and this one's all about your little stylus. We didn't even mention that. The Wii U <laughs> yeah, gamepad sure. has a stylus. Uh, you can slap that out there, and then you use it to draw wind patterns to steal your little steer your little balloon fighter guy around. You can pop other people uh, if they come up below you, or you can you can jab at them with your stylus. Well, so now this is the game. This is the first one we played that explores the idea of switching between the two screens. Yeah, because when you're playing on the TV, you 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 don't want to look at your gamepad because the TV is much more zoomed out, so you get a much better idea of what's where. So basically. You're just using the stylus blindly to sort of push your guy along. It doesn't matter where you stroke. It's only in the direction. Yeah. Um, Whereas, but when an enemy comes and you want to attack him or like break a block, you need to actually look down at where you're poking on the gamepad. And so you're constantly kind of looking up and down and um, your hostess, whatever her, I can't remember, Monita, Monita she yeah. says that directly. She's like, the key to this game is to look at the TV and take brief glances at your gamepad, which is essentially Nintendo fessing up to like, yeah, we know this doesn't really work. Like, it's like, yeah, that's just a bad mechanic of. And that's one thing that just always has felt off to me about the Wii U yeah. is I never know where I'm supposed to look. I always have the sense of. Am I missing something on that other screen? Oh, it's the same. Am I missing something on this little screen? Oh, yeah, it's still the same. That's something to note, too, about when you're trying to walk around in the hub world, you're you're controlling your camera by moving the gamepad's gyroscope. But, like, I don't know if it was just my TV being too new or something, but, like, the... the screen moves like a box, you know? And, like, if if it tilts, then it's going to be black around the edges. And it's real hard to look at. So, like, the moment you can unlock that ability to just open up the menu and go to your park from there, much easier. You don't yeah. have to deal with that. But, yeah, I agree. This was just kind of a clunky way to play this game. Um, not, not terribly fun. I, I think I'd still take it over Captain Falcon. Oh, no question. Uh, the next one I actually quite enjoyed. Uh, this is another one that uses the stylus, and this is Yoshi's uh, Fruit Cart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yoshi's Fruit Cart. You... Basically, you have uh, you're you're driving around a little Yoshi mobile. Yeah, you can see when you look at the TV that there's some fruit, and then you need to draw a path. The the fruit doesn't appear on your gamepad. Right. You have to draw a path using kind of your best guess. And your path does not appear on the TV. No, so it, it's it's kind of it's kind of a fun way to guesstimate. Like I thought, like I, I first started playing this, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be too easy. And then I drew a perfect loop around a watermelon <laughs> I needed, and I'm like, okay, all right, I can see this. And and like so it's. Kind Kind of like the gameplay here is looking for sort of slight clues in the like tint of the level like oh there's sort of a little brown splotch there that's a little like kind of this far away from the fruit so i can judge this well i draw yeah um i wouldn't necessarily call this game was more fun than i thought it was. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like this this is surprisingly i mean it is just a neat idea as a whole mm-hmm. and it you feel pretty proud of yourself when you pull off like a perfect sort of estimated run like a nice clean line yeah but. yeah no it's it's satisfying and like they start adding holes later that you can't see in your game pad you need to navigate around it's 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 a i don't know it's it's cute like, yeah this one this one is good it, it sort of scratches a better itch of like feeling unique and not getting old if it's what you're looking for i yeah. really it's a shame and i mean another thing about the wii u is for all the complaints that i have about the game pad you can only use one of them yeah there's no mechanism to connect multiple gamepads to the Wii U, which I acknowledge would be a hassle and like 
whole other levels of confusion. Yeah. But what that means is a game like this, which is pretty cool and neat, is only a one-player thing, and it would be it's handing it, it back be a and forth. Yeah, of fun to have this as a two-player mode where you're both racing to collect all the fruit, or some other aspect there. Yeah, um, because yeah, it's just a pass back and forth. It makes this game feel pretty slow, even though the gameplay is neat. Yeah, totally. Uh, the next, the last solo game we have to talk about is Octopus Dance. This is another fairly obscure one based off the Game and Watch Octopus console from the early '80s. Okay. Uh, so this is basic, uh, pattern memorization rhythm game. You use your right and left analog sticks, your gyroscope, uh, to mimic dance moves. Yeah, uh, it's just like a super weird sort of wireframe gold scuba diver standing next to your me. Yeah, I was wondering like, why they didn't use like Game & Watch, like Mr. Game & Watch. Oh, have, yeah. have him in there. Like, no, that's a good point. There's the no explanation. Like, I don't know. This this game, I think, had the least interesting aesthetic to it. Yeah. Um. Actually, a lot of like the Yoshi aesthetic was pretty bland. This yeah. Game aesthetic was pretty bland. Um. But it's just like you're sort of under the sea, under the sea. Um. It's you're better. Be- better downwards. Wetter. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, true. Take it from me. I will. But anyway. Um. <laughs> so the uh, you're just it's just blue and it's just open and like it's just very lifeless here because he's just like right up down and there's just a, there's a real sense of like it all works kind of well but you're like why why am i doing this why do i give a shit yeah like, it gets a little more complex when you have to add jumps into it right, or like sometimes jump, you have to you like, not make a move to jump you like flip the the gamepad up you like right push it up real quick or you tilt it right and left for the gyroscope i think but there's yeah the i don't real, know it's kind of like playing we just dance without any licensed music like or physical motion. Yeah. yeah, there's no music that you care about. He's just like one, two, three. It is literally one, just him two, counting to one, three, two, three and over and over. It's just like Simon says, basically, where you just sort of the, the the technique becomes like I'm not challenged by this gameplay. I'm just challenged by my ability to maintain mental focus on something that's boring. That's sort of like, the thing. The the one little wrinkle that they add here that I thought was clever. It's like when you're looking at your gamepad. You're looking at your character's back, which is the which, way they would make sense. Which will match the way your, your motions. Go. Exactly. Yeah. And then every once in a while, the instructor will flip your character around so your controls are inverted. The easy way to go with this is to look at the TV. Because the TV shows it from the other end. TV is shown from the other end. But it's that's I think that's a smart way of using the dual screen functionality like yes. in, in a way that's more integrated than the balloon fight one. Like... Like, this is part of the gameplay that you need to be looking between screens. Yes, but they give you a little, like, clear moment of when you need to be looking between screens. Yeah. Like, oh, he's flipping me around. I have a moment here. Whereas in Balloon Fight, you kind of just have to switch mid-game, which is weird feeling. Yeah. Um, and this is another one where, even though it's, I found it pretty boring, like, I think if this was a multiplayer mode, it, it, would, ha- it would add a lot. To yeah. It. Like, this is really the kind of game... You want to play a multiplayer mode, um, sort of, especially if there was more movement involved. And it's just very weird because this is something that, like, Wiimotes should be able to do very easily. They just really want to show off the gamepad. For sure. Well, let's move on to the team games here. These are playable for two to four players. And there's another mode that has up to five players, which is really cool. Yeah, that's actually another cool thing about the uh, Wii U is because it has so many different controllers that can connect to it. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think some games through very weird setups, I think of both using like cl- connecting nunchucks to classic controllers. Some games you could run like eight or nine people at a time. 
I'm I'm really excited. I mean, for a lot of reasons, I'm excited for COVID to end. But like sure. when we're able to start having people over again and like actually start to play, you know, like I would say the general reason is not like the general swath of death that's cutting through our country. You know, but more, more yeah. the feeling of being able to play Runbow. Exactly. Like, that's really what I'm <laughs> But I mean, for. like the Wii U, I think, is going to be a really good local multiplayer console. Like, I think it'll be fun to have people over to get play some, some more guests. Yeah, it, it is kind of a shame. Like, this is clearly the game to start with for our episode. But oh, yeah. It is a shame that we couldn't have had more people. It's true. It's us. true. And one other thing to note about the multiplayer in this game is that most of it is kind of asymmetrical because there is only one pad mm-hmm. and there's certain things that the pad can only do. So they find some interesting ways to yeah. mix it up, starting with Legend of Zelda Battle Quest. Okay. Um you have up to three players using Wiimotes uh, as swords and one player with the gamepad who has uh, a bow and arrow. So you use the bow and arrow by pushing down on your R stick and just kind of aiming around with the gyroscope. Mm-hmm. But either way, you're playing from kind of a pseudo, like like a behind the back, almost a translucent, the, yeah. kind of punch out style. Like, uh, But you're, you're on rails. You don't control your movement other than the, the fighting. People with the sword are going ahead uh, take, and you have to slash in different ways to get around shields or different things. And then the person with the pad uh, can snipe people in out of uh, hard to reach places. Yeah, there'll be moblins up in like forts or something shooting down at you. And yeah, it's up to the bow guy to take them out. Um, yeah, this, yeah, this is fun. Uh, it's it's not terribly exciting. I didn't, I didn't like, like this very uh, much. This was one. Of, this was definitely I like on rail my, shooters. So this like, was definitely on my lower half. Like I started as a sword guy with the Wiimote. Yeah, and basically you just mo. Like it felt like a very lazy VR game. Yeah, I, I think that melee combat and first person games is just generally boring like yeah. they're not all escape from butcher bay no um, no that game that game's awesome it's so In, good. anyway um because like enemies would just come and i would just kind of wildly w- knock my sword around i'm like oh they're all dead now yeah like it, it just, you have a shield but there wasn't really any reason to use it i i used I, it a few times just because uh, uh there are some projectiles that come at you mm, there's no other way okay. to get around them but uh yeah it, it's it's pretty basic. I don't know if it would be more fun if we had more people involved. I don't, I don't know waves. why it would be because there's no sense of teamwork here. Like not Because really. your characters just move forward of their own accord as long as they're not attacking. Yeah. You just kind of walk into enemies and swing your sword around. Like This, this very much felt like it could have just been a Wii game. Um, and it, I mean, it kind of was in the way that like Skyward Sword came out on the Wii. Yeah. But, oh, um, yeah. yeah. It, it's just like these features don't, they're not true to anything that Zelda is about. No, There's not no really. story or sort of atmosphere or problem solving, though I did like the aesthetic here a lot of this was very much like Zelda's knitted world. Oh, yeah, like Link's, yeah. Link's knitted adventure. And um, speaking of things cool. that really don't capture the spirit of their franchise, uh, Metroid Blast. Oh, yeah. This was a bit, a bit of a bummer for me because I'm a big old Metroid head. Uh, so you use the gamepad this time to fly the gunship, while the people with the Wiimotes are on the ground level, like with little Samus suits and like blasting. I, bad I think guys. this is the only game, I mean, the only time in any game where you get to pilot Samus's ship. Yes. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Well, unless it happened in Other M, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Who's I've, played that? I've game? pushed that out of my mind. Sure. But, uh, this is also noteworthy as the only game in the uh, uh, collection that uses the Nunchuck. 
because yeah. uh, you need to click that into your Wiimote so you can walk around. This isn't the on-rails thing that the Zelda game had. This one lets you actually walk around and take a little bit more agency with your attacks. This is kind of like an arena shooter. Yeah, um, except, waves and waves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We only there's there's three different modes here. Like whoever has the gamepad is always going to be piloting the gunship. Yeah, and then everyone else. Um, so you can play a mode where you're on a team just fighting waves of enemies. And you just, but again, there's very little sort of coordination of just like whether you're on the ground or in the ship, you just basically shoot on whatever enemies are around. Yeah. And if you play the, there's competitive modes where you can play like people on ground versus the person in the ship, or you can only play with nunchucks and just have a bunch of people on the ground. Yeah. Like all these controls here sort of worked fine and okay, but like. The enemy, again, there's just no Zelda, or sorry, there's no Metroid aesthetic here. You're just Not in this really. big blue neon arena. And it is just really a shame because, like, Metroid content on newer consoles is so few and far between oh, yeah. that it's always a treat to sort of see those Metroid enemies, Metroid music, Metroid graphics. Yeah. Um, and here, like, that just didn't quite do it. Like, there was the no. music, which was fun to hear. But like I'm like this just doesn't feel the true creatures are you like, could morph the, ball but like for no reason like I, the enemies just look like little spider robots with targets for faces like it so it's it's not really very Metroidy but this game does offer a couple of different modes to play so you can do the standard like uh, 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 assault mission which is yeah. where it's a, the co-op where you're taking down waves there's surface to air combat where the ground players are fighting the person in the gunship. And then there's a ground battle where all players are on the ground using remotes to duke it out that yeah, way. Okay. Fine. If you want to do that. Uh, the next one is Pikmin adventure. So uh, the gamepad player controls Olimar. The Wiimotes are all Pikmin. Uh, you work together to navigate the level and defeat a boss. It can be played competitively as well, as we mentioned with the weird little candy collecting. The, the, the competitive mode sucks. It's just it's basically the equivalent of like Donkey Kong sixty four of like run run around top down and whack people. Yeah, it's pretty but. boring. But there, there's uh, uh, I, I like the way that they're trying to like recreate and streamline the Pikmin gameplay. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. It kind of like, felt like Pikmin light. Like the person with Olimar has a little contingent of small Pikmin, and then the other players are like human sized people in Pikmin costumes. <laughs> Which is very cute. But they do still respond to your whistle. So Which if is you very annoying. If you call the whistle, then all of your Pikmin will come back, including the other players. No matter where they are, and they have no choice in the they matter. They have no choice in the matter, and you can throw those players at whoever you yeah. want, uh, which is pretty fun. The gamepad makes it pretty easy to uh, target and throw at uh, bad guys. Yep. These look like Pikmin bad guys, except they're robots, and they have like little uh, uh, glowing power orbs on the back that you need to hit. Um, and you collect nectar and try and level up your Pikmin as you walk through the levels and just kind of try. And, and so it's it's very, 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 very bite-sized version of what Pikmin is. It's essentially Pikmin by way of final fight. Like, yeah. Instead yeah. of having strategy, you just go up to things and whack them. Um, I, I think that this game probably did the best job of feeling like it was kind of an amusement park version mm -hmm. of the thing because your yeah. movies like have those hats, like your Olimar me still looks like your me, but he, I don't know. He's it, wearing it, a big goofy helmet. Like, yeah. I, I like, okay. I believe that this is sort of a little land or experience that I am attending and, but it still feels like Pikmin. Yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, so let's move on to the competitive games. These are for two to five players. Uh, we'll start with Mario Chase, which is tag. It's Mario tag. That's all it is basically, right? Yeah. Like yeah, kind of one person yeah. plays Mario. Uh, everyone else plays a toad. 
Uh, so the gamepad gamepad person is Mario, and you get a much smaller view of your field of vision. Like so, the, the well, no, it's confusing because yeah, you, you 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 get two things. You get a split screen on the gamepad. Like to the left is a smaller field of vision of Mario. Yeah, but to the right is like a full mini map of the entire level that shows you where all of the opposing characters are as well. But either way, it's going to be like a bird's eye view on the gamepad and then a behind the back view on the TV. Right. So you're actually you're seeing more on the game. You have a better lay of the land on the gamepad, even though you're seeing more visually as Toad on the TV. Right. Uh, And if you're playing as a Toad and I don't know if this is just true if we're playing two player or if these guys will pop up in uh, four player mode as well. But there are two like Yoshi bots. I think it's only true of I think they just replace human characters. That would make sense because you need to kind of level it out. But the Yoshi bots will go around. They can't catch Mario, but they can trip him up so that you have a better chance of catching him. Because the Uh, Toads are just naturally slower than Mario, which is is not accurate into the lore of uh, Mario Brothers 2. No, not really. Not really. But, like, you know, and it should be noted, too, that, like, you don't really get to unlock any minigames. Like, all the minigames you have in this game are available to you. But you do unlock different stages within these minigames. So, like... There's there's like four or five different Mario Chase levels you could unlock by by playing through them. Um, this one's fine. Yeah, it, it's simple. It's uh, it's it's. I think this could be a really fun frantic game for multiple people because like there are a lot of close calls. Yeah, there are disappearing bridges. There are some levels with like mud pits that'll slow you down. There are lots of different ways to zig and zag, and the toads have a tackle. That's not super reliable. Right. Like you can miss pretty easily. So it's a nicely balanced game, I thought. Uh, I, I think my biggest issue with this game is we had played it right after a game that is very similar, but that I liked more. Well, is let's it, talk about that okay, actually. Sure. That's next in line. That's Animal Crossing Sweet Day. So Sweet Day. The game the game pad. That's what player, I'm gonna do now every time I go into work. Like, hey Woody, how's it going? I'm like, Sweet, Sweet Day. day. <laughs> and then I'll get fired. <laughs> <laughs> At least it brought aside. Woody, well, yeah. you've been saying Sweet Day to everyone, and we don't really get what yeah. you're doing. Like we just it's not that we're offended. We just don't get it. Yeah. Um so Animal Crossing Sweet Day, you uh you can the gamepad player controls two guards uh one mm-hmm. with the left stick one with the right stick and they have a rudimentary tackle function yeah. then the other player is another little animal crossing guy and your goal is to run around this map a la pac-man collect all these little uh, uh candy pieces that yeah. you put in your head the more <laughs> the more you carry at a time uh the slower you move yeah just like real life the just more like, candy i carry in my head the slower i move it's very true I've, and i once you, had your Ten go- boxes of milk duds. <laughs> let me tell you, I was on my couch a long time that day. <laughs> you got the milk dud head. I became I a human milk dud. <laughs> <laughs> but you're supposed to take these candies, drop them off in these little like kind of uh, uh, golf holes yeah. things uh, without being caught by the guards. And the guards goal is to whack you three times. Yes. And uh, this is pretty fun and frantic either way you play, honestly, because uh-huh. If you're playing as the guards, it's easy to get twisted around because one guy is being controlled by the right stick, one is being controlled by the left. If you cross their paths at any point, like it starts <laughs> it works to get confu- wonders on your brain. Yeah, it starts to get confusing about who's being controlled where, and you get kind of like turned around. But you're also slower. I just I like the design because you know generally where the the animals have to go because you know the receptacles they need to actually deposit stuff in. So you can kind of try to like 
do a little temporal pincer movement on them. Yeah. Um, and come from both sides. Mm-hmm. And again, much like the Mario one, there's this tackle that's not super accurate. Right. Um, so there was a lot of close calls. Yeah, I, I had a very nice time playing this on both sides. I think this this, this was the game enjoyable. I enjoyed the most, and I would be excited to play play it with more people. This one's up there for me. Yeah, of the competitive games, it's either this one or this last one we're going to talk about, which is Luigi's Ghost Mansion. Mm-hmm which is basically Pac-Man versus. And if you basically. haven't if you haven't heard us talk about Pac-Man versus, uh it's it's great. It's uh one of the cleverest multiplayer games on the GameCube because one player connects their Game Boy Advance via the link cable to the GameCube and right they're looking at the are they, they Pac-Man? See, they or are, are they Pac-Man, Pac-Man and get to see the whole map. Um whereas the people looking at the TV are ghosts and only get a small subset of the map. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of what you have here. One player is playing as a ghost. Everyone else is playing as Luigi and his friends who are ghost hunters. Uh, So the ghost is invisible. On the TV. On the TV. Uh, And you can run around. Uh, Sometimes he'll get illuminated by lightning strikes, or you can see him if you use your dash move to kind of get away from somebody. But as the the ghost hunters, you move slower, but you have a flashlight uh, that will run out of charge if you don't get batteries every once in a while. And your goal here is to basically zap the the ghost's health down with your flashlight. I mean, low much enough. like Luigi's Mansion. Much like yeah. Luigi's Mansion. Uh, and it's it's a very small. When I first saw it, it's a very small map. We had three bots running around to help us out. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, this isn't this isn't going to be very fun or intuitive, but uh, it works out pretty well. Like it's pretty fun to play both sides of this. I thought. Yeah, I think this one is definitely. I I felt like it was pretty slow playing with two people. Yeah. But I think. The default time here is five minutes, which is a long time to be the ghost and survive. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if you played this with four people and there was sort of more of a sense of coordinating your movements and like, okay, we know the ghost is generally over here, so let's team up and, um, you know, get the ghost from multiple sides. Yeah. So can't escape. I feel like that would make the game a lot more interesting. So I think this is one that definitely gets better with more people. There are also like brief flashes of lightning that will reveal the ghost. Yeah, the ghost has like a dash move where you will move faster, but it will reveal you. Um, I yeah, I think this one is definitely well designed, but to me, you would need at least three people to sort of make this a better experience. Yeah, yeah, and I mean to be clear, we're kind of like you know we're we're criticizing all of these. Like there aren't many of these that I would just say are like terrible. Like I I, I wouldn't I play the F zero one is terrible. I wouldn't play that one again. Um, I feel like I would probably like at least play through all these because the other big thing that this game has is the attraction tour mm-hmm. which is basically like a tournament mode for however many players you want you could set the length of it and it's just going to choose random games for you to play uh and then you'll play for a set amount of time and then but, but the you problem know. is it's choosing for all through all the games mm-hmm. many of which are these one player ones where it's where just going like back and forth yeah. watch your friend play takamura's castle and then they'll pass you the gamepad and then you'll play it and try to get a higher score so like which, slower which than so something like Wii Sports. yeah like, yeah 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 it's it's slower than like an uh a uh, uh, party game like Wii sports or something like that but right. Uh, it's a nice idea and it's a nice way to kind of give you a, a random tour of what this game has. To I mean, offer. I think that's just generally like my tone in general is everything needed to be kicked up like a couple gears in terms of speed. Yeah. Like it just needs more of a kind of frantic feel. And I think yeah. that this game is the most fun when you're in games like the animal crossing one that feel frantic and exciting. And then when it sort of pulls back to the menu or from game to game, the energy kind of dwindles. A little bit, a little bit. 
Well, speaking of energy dwindling, uh, I think we've gotten to the end of this first episode here. We've covered kind oh, of everything well, there is to do in Nintendo Land. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Uh, there, there is something else I want to add. Let's, uh, let's get into the rankings here real quick. Yeah. We got, we got quite the list. Much Oof. as we did uh, with the Nintendo 64, every, every week we play a new game and um, add it to our ever-growing list of Wii U games. Mm-hmm. And see, uh, once we finally get through it, we will see where everything lands and shakes out. Um, I felt like we, I was pretty happy with the way our Nintendo 64 list panned out. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take a stab here at where this game is on your list. Where do you think I put um, it? I think you put this at number one. Holy shit. Yeah. But you know, you know what? I put it at number one too. Uh, the twinsies. 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 Woo. Yeah, this is the be- best game on Wii U that we have played thus far. Also, the worst one. <laughs> well, fair enough, but Fuck we don't, we don't talk about that. We're this trying is the to- bottom of my yeah. list. Fuck it. Yeah, well, and for what it's worth, like, I did spend a lot of time kind of being critical of this game, because that's how I look at things, because I'm, like, just sure. kind of a pessimistic jerk. Well, yeah. But um, I, uh, this game's pretty fun. Like, I, I feel like if we compare it to our launch game from Ultra 64, which is Space Invaders, which wound up kind of squarely in the middle of the pack, yeah. I feel like this will end up a little higher. I feel like this will yeah. end up in the top 25 If this game ends up in the middle, I will be very impressed by the quality of games on Wii U. Yeah, this, like, is a, this is totally solid. I think if you have like a number of people in your house safely, safely <laughs> uh, this would be a really fun game to break out and play. I, I think... It has a little bit more of a learning curve than Wii Sports did, and so that's why maybe it's not necessarily as popular. But what's here is really fun, and uh, it, it, there's a very charming aesthetic to this entire yeah, thing, it, except it, for Monica, it was a Yeah, it was a smart game for them to include. I wish it had a little more personality and didn't have that terrible... I wish that F-Zero game was replaced by something good. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, I want to move on to... I, I have a little a little takeaway for you here, Okay, Steve. yeah, let's um, see. I, I feel like 2021... I feel like we've had a good good three years of sure. podcasting. I feel like this is really going to be the year where like we're really going to crank it into high gear. Okay, gonna, the, the listenership's going to explode. I'm here. And I was thinking it like, all right, well, what's the secret? Is we need we need some hook to draw people in, and we already have the Wii U. Sure, but I feel like the Wii U is not as strong of a hook as the Nintendo 64, because people aren't drawn the same way they were by nostalgia. I'm genuinely afraid of where this is going, by the way. Okay, sure. (laughs) I I have my backpack. He has a backpack Um, in here. He's been teasing this. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Um, So I want to find a new hook here. And it's like, okay, what's another like long running thing that people love? And oh, God. So what I thought we would do (laughs) is each episode, um, we can explore, uh, we can make it a Wii U and Prince Valiant podcast. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> because, you know, Prince Valiant, it's a beloved comic strip. It's been going on since 1937. Oh, my Lord. So every every week we can go through and learn what's going on in the world of Prince Valiant by Her- Harold Rudolph Foster. Oh, my Maybe God. Maybe there is already a Prince Valiant co- podcast i hope not because i want people to search and get that search seo of prince valiant called and be like okay i guess i'll listen to all this wii u content okay Um, so with without any kind of warning for me whatsoever we are pivoting to comic strips so not not funny comic strips we're doing this serious comic strips from the 1930s. Um, so here we are at the beginning of Prince Valiant. <laughs> He's in the, holding up in the, the picture. In the days of King Arthur by Harold <laughs> Foster. Um, down to the coast, riding hard, came the King of Thule, hotly <laughs> pursued by his merciless enemies. So basically he boards this ship of pirates um, and he's entering the chalk cliffs of Britain. The half-savage Britons oppose their landing and basically they're sailing in and are going to have some kind of epic encounter with the Britons. <laughs> 
So uh, the sea cannot fight, said the king grimly, but there is dry land and food beyond those armed men, and his sword hissed from its scabbard. Continued next week. Oh my god! Yeah, I cannot I, wait. I cannot to wait to see what happens. To get through whatever video game we're, we got to suffer through before we can learn more about Prince Valiant. If if you had offered me ten billion dollars <laughs> to guess what you were going to pull out of that bag just there, I I, I would never. I would never. If you you could have given me infinite chances. I would never have thought you would pull out a, a Prince Valiant compilation. Clearly you do not know me well enough. I, I, like, you, you could have given me any period of time, any now, number you, of guesses. What, what is your relationship to Prince Valiant? We uh, should take a moment here. We went through our Wii U explanation. The, it's the comic strip I would skip. Well, like, okay. they, they were still air, They were still like uh, running it in I, I think they might pages. still be running it. They might like, still be. I haven't looked at a comic strip in 20 years, sure. but like... Like this was one alongside like Mary Worth and Mark Trail, where I'm just like, all right. Okay, the- well, give me your hierarchy of comics that you would skip. Like if, if okay, if, if between um, Mary Worth, Mark Trail, we all know that like Pearls Before Swine and the Duplex are the only good ones. <laughs> I, I don't know what the Duplex okay. is, but I know Pearls. Or, uh, yeah, or like, Frank and like would you skip Frank and Ernest that was just long building to annoying puns? Uh, mm-hmm. no, I'd read Frank and Ernest. I'd read Heathcliff. Uh, I, I never I, got I, Heathcliff. I think just I knock off Garfield. He was, yeah, okay. it was it was super weird, Garfield. Um, but okay, but I, I mean, we it, can all agree that me, Mary Worth, Mark Trail, and Prince Valiant were the ones you skip. I would skip but, those. I would of the like dramatic or like the soap opera serial yeah. comic strips. I, I think I would read Spider Man. That would be the only. Well, one I never I would got read. a Spider Man comic. Yeah, there but, was like, a, there would was you a rather read Prince Valiant or Mark Trail? Probably Prince Valiant, because okay. who gives a fuck about camping? Yeah. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Mark Trail. Piece All right. of shit. Good. So stay tuned go for Mark that. Stay tuned for that every week. It's something to look forward to after you suffer through <laughs> us talking about the Wii U. I feel like I need to call Mary Worth and ask for advice on how to handle this yeah, situation, yeah. honestly. Yeah, this is Wait, a little much. The, um, all right, well, let, now, now that that... If you're a big Prince Valiant fan, write in and tell us how you want to pivot away from the video game content. Maybe we'll do two strips a week. Oh, my God. All right, well, I'm excited to talk about next week's game uh, because we are going to be jumping from Nintendo Land into something... I think we're both going to be pretty psyched about Ooh. this one. Shovel Knight. Ooh, we're going to be playing heard of this Shovel Knight, one of my favorite little indie games of the last couple of years, and yeah. the Wii U has one of the better versions of it, so Ooh, I'm excited. That, that is a, it came out on a disc, huh? It came out on a disc, wow. yeah, okay. with the special edition, all the bonus features, all the everything. So Shovel Knight, cool. can that, you dig it? That's a fun I, I yeah, can. That's a fun one. Maybe, maybe the epic return of the letters segment um, next week as well. Yes, definitely, and definitely. And, of course, the epic return of our beloved fan favorite segment, Prince Valiant. Prince Valiant, our <laughs> beloved fan favorite. Uh, so just a little bit of business. If you want to find us, we're still at Ultra 64 Podcast and all the different streaming things. We're going by Wii Universe. That's the name of this kind of series within Ultra 64. Right. But we are still Ultra 64. We're the Ultra 64 guys. That's the name of our company, think, our shell corporation. Think of this as like Ultra 64 Presents. Yeah. That's that's what we are right now. Yeah, so, as far as now, it is the the official name is We Universe of all these podcasts. Just yeah, to keep it as clean as, as possible. We just didn't want to we didn't want to start a new feed because we I didn't, didn't want to lose all our great listeners. No, we love you guys. We yeah, and, and we're we're happy you're all here. So you can find us on Twitter and at Ultra Sixty Four Prince Valiant listeners. Welcome, welcome, <laughs> yeah. welcome, you Valiant heads. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Princes, princes. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's our that's our social media. Uh, check out our Patreon. Over at patreon.com slash ultra64pod, we are doing a brand new show called Ultra64DD. So if this is the series where we're going through like deep dives into the consoles, Mm -hmm. 
uh, with Ultra 64 DD, we're doing deep dives into individual series. We're starting right now. Our first episode is out. Our first and second episode by this point are out. Yeah. Uh, and we're talking about Contra. Yeah. Uh, and Contra is an amazing, fun game. So at the moment, we're doing these episodes every two weeks. Uh, if we for the get Patreon. for the Patreon, yeah. if we got our Patreon support up to $400 a month, we will make ultra 64 DD a weekly show. So we will be getting through these games much faster. Yeah. We'll be playing a lot different, a lot of different games and y'all will be getting two ultra 64 podcasts a week. Ooh, so much. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to keep dollars. up with my Prince Valiant reading at I, that speed. But. I mean, we're going to run out of Prince Valiant. I think, <laughs> yeah. are you, are you prepared to move on to something else? <laughs> well, I don't think so. Oh, when, okay. Once we're out of Prince Valiant, I'm off the show. Oh, damn it. Damn it. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll leave the Bloom County one to just me. Sure. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, we will see you next time for shovel night. It's going to be a great one. Thanks for coming back. Uh, we're excited to be here. We're excited to dig into this console. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Woo!